Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Chopper Talk. I am Devin Bowen. Today's episode is just me going solo. I actually, uh, so I upload this podcast to multiple different platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and YouTube, and I actually had uh, some guy comment on, I wish I could find his name, but I had some guy comment on one of my videos previously, and he's like, I liked your uh, solo one. Maybe you should continue to do that and talk about certain things by yourself. And I think I'm going to explore that option. Uh, I like interviewing guests as well and just talking with people about helicopter stuff. But sometimes it's cool to go uh, by myself. I'm wearing sunglasses today because I like the anonymity it gives me. I can see you guys there, but I like I like the sunglasses. So we're wearing these today. Um, so the plan for today is I just have some updates for uh, the podcast, and then we're going to talk about a bunch of different helicopter stories from the recent weeks, uh, kind of just like a roundup of things going on and just things that came across my feed and all of the aviation things I follow, and we'll talk about those and have a good time with those. Um, so updates, as of uh, last week, I got a job offer at a different company. So I am going to be relocating. Uh, just like on the aviation side, we'll start with that first. As helicopter pilots, we are nomadic. We're going to move around. If you guys remember my conversation with Heather Halley, she made the point that like finding CFIs, flight instructors, to stay at a company for a long, long term is hard because uh, helicopter pilots and especially at the flight instructor stage, you're just ready to, you just move on after you get your hours. And same thing for me. I had uh, a really great opportunity, an opportunity that excites me. More information will follow. If you guys are following my Instagram, uh, my personal Instagram, I think it's at pilot Devin. Uh, I think that's my Instagram handle. You will see an update there once everything's confirmed. But with that, I'm going to be relocating. What that means for the podcast is um, still going to have weekly uploads on Monday, and I'm going to try to film uh, two or three more episodes here at the studio where we are currently operating the podcast. Once I relocate, uh, I'm going to have to find a new place to do it. I think it's going to be in my home for a while, uh, and maybe I'll find a place or not, but I, I think I'll be, be able to uh, run the podcast myself. Big shout out to Tyler. He's been helping out. Uh, everything he's gotten this podcast off the ground um so i really appreciate everything he's done and i will keep you guys in the loop chopper talk is uh we're just in its infancy right now and we're just learning how this works uh i, I really appreciate that anybody tunes in and listens let alone the, the the number of people that actually listen to all the the helicopter stuff and the shenanigans and you guys sit through me as i'm learning all the audio stuff and how to interview people. So I really appreciate it. Um, and Chopper Talk is going to keep going. Um, but besides that, yeah, that's, uh, I think those are all the updates I have for you. Um, we're going to revisit an event that happened last week. So uh, today is Sunday when I'm filming this. Um, last Friday, so not three days ago, but the Friday prior to that, I think was uh, the crash. And I don't remember if last time I updated you guys, I told you uh, who it was. I, I told you that I knew uh, the person involved, and her name was Laura Trout. She was my roommate. Now that it's been a week and the family's been notified and um, her name has been put out and the other person in the helicopter, his name has been put out. Excuse me. I feel a little bit more comfortable talking about it. So that's kind of what we're going to do today. You know, my whole uh, theory and movement process through 
uh, the situation of her accident is it's tragic and there's no way to get around that. I mean, it just hurts and um, we feel pain and it's just not a good situation, but we can learn from it. Uh, We are instructors. We are aviators. We are learners and we want to get better and keep ourselves alive. So that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to do. So as more information comes out about this crash, about this accident, we're going to adapt and learn as much as we can from it. Um, so we're just going to read some information about it. I know it's kind of like a doom and gloom subject, but it, it's really important that we talk about it and that we make uh, the most use out of it. So we... Uh, let me cut that out. Okay. Um, so this one, uh, this is coming from CBS Local, CBS 11, or maybe CBS... Uh, 21 from the Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh, the headline reads Texas veterinarian father of one Tyson Wallace killed in helicopter crash. This was issued on March 31st. So that was about four days ago. We're going to, we're going to read through it. It's, I, I, it's really important to just read through these stories. We've got some audio that we'll play here in a bit, but um, Rollett, Texas, a Texas father was killed when one of two Uh, A Texas father was one of two people killed while flying a Robinson R-44 helicopter as a student pilot in Raleigh on March 25th. Tyson Wayne Wallace, 42, of Pilot Point, died in the crash. Witnesses told investigators the helicopter broke into several pieces as it fell to the ground. The National Transportation Safety Board investigators confirmed that the certified flight instructor also died in the crash, but have not released her name. Well, we now know her name. A large piece of the helicopter landed on the roof of a nearby storage unit, which appeared to be the helicopter's tail section. Witnesses said they heard a loud bang, and when they looked up, they saw the helicopter spiraling to the ground and that the tail section had already come off. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but Fabio Helzago, sorry, sorry if you're listening to this, said he w- he was with his son and saw it all happen. We heard, we just heard a pop and we looked up and all we saw was the helicopter coming down completely out of control. The tail was off. It was hard knowing that there was, per- there was a person inside. It's sad. It caught on fire when it hit the ground. Witnesses said they ran over to help, tried to pull Wallace and the instructor out, but the, fl- and put the flames out, but the fire was too, so intense. Firefighters had to extinguish the flames. A truck driver who had parked alongside the side street was 10 feet away from where the helicopter landed. John Rangel, who heard the crash, said his, said his heart is with the Wallace family. Beautiful day to get out. They think they're going to have a nice ride on a helicopter, and suddenly it ends tragically just like that. It's sad. Wallace is survived by his wife, Kristen, and their daughter. Uh, absolutely terrible. Um, so uh, this news article actually links to... Uh, an Instagram, uh, a Facebook page of Kristen Wallace, who I assume is the spouse. And, uh, my, my thoughts and feelings are with, uh, her family, an absolutely tragic event. Um, and I mean, I, I spent some time looking around. I can't seem to find a GoFundMe or anything. And if I do find one, I will update it. Um, I'll throw some pictures up on the video, uh, podcast. If you're watching on YouTube of, um, uh, of the man who uh, passed away. Um, But it's just always super sad. But because I know I knew Laura, um, I kind of want to spend some time talking about that. Um, And let's see here. Actually, 
yeah, we're going to read uh, an article from Wildfire Today, and you think, Wildfire Today, what does it have to do with anything? Well, Laura Trout, who uh, was the flight instructor and my roommate and a great person, she was also a wildland firefighter. She would drop into uh, wherever there were big wildfires, and she would help to fight them. So they uh, they wrote a really good, informative article, and I kind of just want to read through this and just uh, shed some light about Laura and who she was as a person. Pilot killed in helicopter crash was former wildland firefighter. This is from Bill uh, Bill Gabbert on March 30th from Wildfire Today. Laura Trout had more than six years experience on the hell attack and fire crews in Montana, Colorado, and California. A former wildland firefighter with experience on the hell attack and fire crews was killed in the crash of a helicopter in, Dal- in a Dallas suburb on Friday. After six years on the Teton interagency hell attack crew in Jackson, Wyoming, Laura Trout left to fulfill her dream of flying helicopters full time and returned to fight fire as a pilot. Prior to her work in hell attack, she worked as a wildland firefighter on the on the White River National Forest in Colorado and the Boise National Forest in Idaho. She also worked as a Helitech squad boss on the uh, on the Tonto National Forest in Arizona. She became a licensed helicopter pilot and got a job as a tour pilot, then achieved the next step, became becoming a certified flight instructor. Laura Laura was giving a lesson to Ty Wallace Friday when the tail boom separated from the Robinson R-44 November 514 Charlie Delta, causing the helicopter to crash and catch fire in a vacant lot in Rollett, Texas. Both were killed. Laura was a dear friend, dedicated co-worker, and a physical fitness leader, and had an immediate positive influence to all she knew, said a statement from the Bridger Teton National Forest. And that's, that's true. Uh, Laura, um, we were all in flight school together, you know, studying all day, learning, flying, really trying to be a good helicopter pilot. And Laura, every morning at like 5.30 or whatever, 5 a.m., she would wake up and go to the gym. She would go to CrossFit and work out. And she was always so committed. And, you know, we, we heard her and we were like, she's crazy. Like, I want as much sleep as possible. I have to study. But she, she was committed to her fitness. Um, continuing, her charismatic wit and strength were evident in all she did, particularly in her passion for aviation and wildland firefighting. To, to those that knew her, she was a go-to for advice, help, and humor. In a series of tweets, Elaine had a helicopter pilot and contributed and contributed to vertical Jesus. In a series of tweets, Lane Head and a, a helicopter pilot and a contributor to Vertical Magazine said Laura was qualified as a helicopter manager, short haul, and was an EMT. Miss Head described Laura as a friend and a badass. Check out her Twitter thread below. So we're going to read through this Twitter thread. It, it's, I really, this, this made me very happy to read through and I want, I want to read through it together. So let's do that. Let me click on this here. Okay, this is a Twitter thread. The link will be in the bio if you're watching this on YouTube. This is from Elaine Head. I'd like to tell you about Laura Trout, the pilot who died in the helicopter crash on in Texas on Friday. She was a friend of mine and beloved by some of the best people I know. When I met Laura, she was working for the Forest Service as a member of the Teton Hell Attack out of Jackson, Wyoming. Out of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. She was a wildland firefighter, helicopter manager, short hole haul rescuer, and EMT. Clearly a badass. She wanted to learn how to fly helicopters, and I was one of many people whom she asked for advice. Ultimately, she hoped to return to firefighting as a pilot. 
Over the next few years, I followed her with admiration as she methodically achieved every milestone in her training. In January of this year, after working as a tour pilot, she finally became a certified flight instructor. Laura was a member of Whirly Girls, the Association of Female Helicopter Pilots. I'm number 1,349, and she was number 2,101. She took the role of director of media, and I always smiled when I saw a press release from her. Laura touched so many from a mutual friend. Her passion, her passion, her goals will stay with me forever. Her, deter- her determination inspired me to do better. She couldn't help but be the best she could be, and that was amazing. And another, no words will ever be enough to describe how beautiful Laura was inside and out. She was a badass with a heart of gold. She made friends wherever she went. My heart breaks for her family and the people who were closest to her. Her loss will echo for years to come. For all she accomplished in her short time on earth, I know she would have achieved so much more. I focused on Laura because I knew her, but my sympathies go out to all the family. But my sympathies also go out to the to the loved ones of the stu- of her student Ty Wallace, who sounded like a remarkable person himself. Rest in peace. So, um, Elaine, that was beautiful, and uh, like I said, I knew Laura pretty well, um, but uh, not as well as some people. Um, it's it, it it's tragic what happened, um, but we are going to learn from it. Um, as, as I've said in all of the social media, the YouTube videos, the podcast, I hate speculating, but one thing that just from the analytical, uh, aviation side that makes this crash so interesting is that the tail boom was chopped off prior to the helicopter impacting the ground. And there are really clear videos of the tail being off. And I mean, the, I mean, everyone has a lot of people have seen the picture of the tail boom landing away from uh, where the helicopter itself crashed. So for some reason, and you can see in the video, it is a clear, beautiful, not a cloud in the sky day. It was like two in the afternoon. Sun was out. It was a beautiful day. For some reason, there was an incident that caused the tail boom to be chopped off. Um, And that's a, I mean, that's, extremely significant and all of my experience and all of the years I've been flying Robinson helicopters. I mean, I, I just think about what could have caused that. And I, I mean, I don't know. It, it must've been a very significant control input. I, I can't imagine it was turbulence or anything because uh, according to her, and I'm speculating here, but I, I just want you guys to think through this with me. But according to her ADSB information, she was practicing something where she climbed up and then dropped and then climbed up and dropped again. So my thought process there is vortex ring state or auto rotations or something, something like that, something where you climb up and then drop. So if it was Auto rotations, I mean, auto rotations are actually extremely safe. Uh, the entry and the glide, there's there's not too much that's coming to mind. And maybe I sound like an idiot and I'm missing something, but there's not too much with auto rotations. Now, vort- unless unless there's like a really abnormal control input, because entering an auto rotation is honestly a pretty seamless event. You can have overspeeds or whatever with the throttle management, but with the just entering the auto, there, there's not that much. Um, with... Uh, vortex ring state vortex ring state settling with power it can get weird uh it can get weird real quick um students over control instructors 
have to respond to those sometimes or it just gets weird and um i mean there's been times i have scared the absolute shit out of myself while doing vortex ring stay because uh, i mean it's just an uncomfortable position to be vertical without any forward airspeed and descending um and i mean i could imagine a, a situation where you make an improper control input so that's the only i mean uh it's just weird so not only am i just interested to know because i get i guess you could classify me as nosy but as an instructor and as a helicopter pilot that wants to be safe and make this as safe as possible i'm really curious because there's such clear video um and the adsb information i'm i'm, I'm very curious to know what happened um and i don't think uh, there should be any shame in being curious and wanting to know because that is our job. If we're doing this as a career and trying to make uh, and have a long career and be healthy and happy, it's important that we learn from accidents and learn from mistakes. All right, but uh, moving on, I think there's enough said with that. Um, the next thing that kind of came across my uh, feed was that uh, helicopter crash in Georgia. It was an army helicopter at Fort Stewart, Georgia. And actually we've got a, uh, a little clip. This comes from, um, WJCL in Georgia. Um, Tyler, go ahead and play that. Now at 11, we're learning the identity of a Fort Stewart soldier killed in a helicopter crash early this morning. According to the 3rd Infantry Division, Captain James James Bellew died after a crash involving two helicopters. It happened around 2 at the Wright Army Airfield in Liberty County. The airfield is closed right now as military leaders investigate how the crash happened. For perspective, here's some photos of what the helicopter involved in the crash looks like. Captain Bellew was a native of Charlottesville, Virginia, and started his career in the Army as a medical service officer in 2017. The 3rd Infantry Division says he was a top platoon leader in his company. All right. So uh, as they as they were showing that there, they were showing a picture of a Black Hawk, a UH-60. So... Uh, assuming that's the type of helicopter i have i have a short little article here from 11alive.com uh this was published on the 30th of march at nine in the morning hinesville georgia a soldier is dead after an accident at a georgia army airfield early wednesday morning according to a statement from the fort stewart hunter army airfield the incident involving two uh-60 helicopters happened just around 2 a.m at wright army field in southeast georgia near hinesville Right now, officials have not released the soldier's name. They said they were assigned to the 3rd Combat Aviation Brigade, uh, the 3rd Aviation, uh, the 3rd Infantry Division. The incident is still under investigation. 11 Alive will update this story as more details become available. And then the 3rd Infantry Division uh, actually sent a tweet, and they said, One soldier was killed in an incident involving two UH-60 helicopters at the Wright Army Airfield at approximately 2 a.m. this morning. The soldier was assigned to the 3rd Combat Aviation Brigade, uh, the 3rd Infantry Division. The incident is under investigation, and the soldier's name will be released pe pending the next of kin notification. Wright Army Airfield is closed until further notice. Now, while doing research for uh, this story... I, so there's not much information. We just get the basic fact that, uh, the soldier died. Um, but there, there was no information about 
what happened and 2 a.m i mean i'm I, I i'd be assuming they're doing some sort of training mission um and something happened but we don't have any information about anyone else on board um not not that anyone else was even injured so just from the reporting um it, it it's kind of weird let's actually look it up right now i'm gonna uh georgia uh army helicopter crash and see if i can just find any more information uh fort stewart soldier killed in uh Oh, and uh, we'll make sure that we uh, say his name. Um, the victim has been identified as Captain James T. Bellew. Um, and uh, our, th- our thoughts are with his uh, his family and friends as well. Um, yeah, uh, he entered U.S. Ar- the Army in 2017, became an air medical evacuation officer in 2019. Um, Vanek called the loss an immeasurable tragedy. Um, James is part of one of the most noble professions imaginable. He dedicated his life to serving our country and he did so in a role that he was constantly helping and saving the lives of others. Uh, special agents from the U S army criminal investigation division are investigating the crash. Now I have no, I I have no uh, understanding of the military and what they do, but the U S army criminal investigation division, I don't know if they would be the proper people that would investigate, but uh, it is what it is. There's, it's just kind of weird that, I mean, if, if he was killed, um, what happened? Uh, was there anyone else injured? There was definitely other people on board, uh, to the best of my knowledge, Blackhawks in the military are never flown solo at all. So there had to be other people on board. Who's the only one died? Was, was anyone else injured? Um, these are kind of just the questions I have, but I mean, nonetheless, tragic story. It, it it always sucks. Moving on to another helicopter crash. This one, not that one crash is worse than the other, but um, uh, of Laura's crash, that crash, and this uh, Australian helicopter crash. Uh, I, I don't know if it's just been a bad week, but it just feels like there's been there's been more uh, the the last couple of weeks than than usual. Um, but uh tyler can you play uh video number two this is coming from nine news australia this is like a it's like a two-minute video a transport safety authorities are this morning taking over the investigation into a horror helicopter crash which killed five people north of melbourne this is how it all unfolded the private charter helicopter took off at 7 a.m yesterday before stopping at a helipad on the yarra river it then flew in a convoy with the second aircraft heading north but the helicopter vanished from sight as it flew over Mount Disappointment. The second chopper then raising the alarm. Police were quick to search from the sky, but it took hours before they located the wreck. When ground crews eventually reached the site, their worst fears were realized. Police confirming all on board, including the pilot, had perished. Awful. Live to Isabella Stavskovsky at the scene on Mount Disappointment. Is a what do we know about the victims this morning? Good morning. We know that they were on a business trip on the way to a regional town in Victoria's north called Alupna. The pilot, a 32-year-old Cheltenham man, that's a suburb in Melbourne's southeast. He is a highly respected pilot. He's four passengers, a woman in her 50s and three men in their 50s and in their 70s from Victoria and also from New South Wales. They all did, tragically, as you say, die in that wreckage. Uh, we also do know that Microflight, the helicopter company involved, has now paused all of its operations until 
Hospital next Tuesday, releasing a statement offering condolences to the families involved. I want to show you what it looks like here this morning as well. This is a checkpoint. As you can see, some crews here that there have been here overnight. We've seen a number of vehicles actually going through in the past few moments, including uh, some vehicles with some heavy-duty machinery on it. That's, we assume, to go into that wreckage. This is very dense bushland. You can see how thick and dense these trees are as well. Aviation experts this morning have been speaking about this horrible disaster. They do say that weather is the main focus at this point. It is thought that low-lying cloud or uh, poor visibility could be to blame. The aircraft uh, is a very common type of aircraft, the Eurotropter 130, um, six-passenger aircraft, very reliable aircraft, and the company indeed has got a very good uh, safety record and very well managed with new aircraft. Carl, of course, our thoughts this morning are with the families of those five people involved. Yeah, is it? Thank you. Labor leader Anthony Albanese has been vague. All right, so... Um yeah uh for anyone listening i mean that was you pretty much got everything there uh crashed in pretty much looked like a forest area um very densely packed wooded area um and it was an ec-130 uh very capable helicopter they said weather was it's looking to be one of the perspective causes of the accident and god damn it i hate when this happens because weather is typically always the cause mechanical failures very rare um it's it's typically it's always i don't don't know the exact numbers i made a youtube video about it but all pilot error and pilot decision making the helicopter usually isn't going to fail you it's the pilot that's going to fail you and I'm, i'm not putting blame um and you know i I've got one story. I, I, I mean, I don't care to share it, and I'm sure I've shared like ec- excerpts of it. But I've I've got one story where I was I was close to uh, being in this situ- being in this situation. You know, scud running. Um, we all know about it. You know, we know that like the weather is bad. Just land the helicopter, and it's like uh, what I agree with. I I mean, I have no disagreements with that. But you can find yourself in situations where for one reason or not, you are flying and you are scud running and you just keep pushing it because you are finding holes and it's working. Um, and I was lucky enough on that time that I was really scud running um, to find a hole and make it out. But I mean, continuous flight into bad weather conditions it, it, it sucks and it's very scary even though i have like my instrument rating and my cfwi it, it honestly I, I can't say it matters and here's the thing about having your instrument rating in a helicopter what actual instrument do you do if you're not like in the offshore oil rig or if you are an ems uh if you're an ems and you're on an ifr ship you're not really doing IFR. Like all of us that have our IFR or our CFWIs, we've never been in the clouds, you know, in the helicopter because it's it's very dangerous. And what training do we do our helicopters in? What certifi- what helicopter do you do your your IFR in? You do it in a Robinson, you do it in a Cabri, you do it in, I don't know if Instroms or Schweitzers or IFR, if they have those instruments probably, but I mean even if you were to do it like in a Bell 505, a new upgraded one or a Bell 206, I don't think those are IFR uh, rated. Um, even the Bell 407, maybe I'm uh, sounding very stupid right now, uh, but 
you getting your initial IFR and your CFWI, you're not doing any actual time in the clouds, you know? So even though we have this rating behind our name, we don't have any experience doing this. And, you know, one thing that I'm looking forward to doing soon is starting my fixed wing training, um, getting all my, my fixed wing stuff, because even like a Cessna 172 or whatever, a Cessna 182, whatever, a small plane, a Cherokee, a Piper, you can go, those are totally IFR rated and capable, and you can go do instrument approaches on like a low visibility day. I want to do that. I want my dual rating, like just my private, I'll probably get my commercial, but my commercial plus my IFR in an airplane and get some time in the clouds because that is going to boost up my confidence a ton in the helicopter. We we get whatever thousands of hours without actually spending in whatever all that simulator time. It's good, but we get thousands of hours in the helicopter without actual any uh, instrument time in. Uh, it, it's just there's this gap um, and it, it's like getting those ratings is just checking a box it, uh, and it like lowers insurance rates but it, it just it kind of irritates me um, but the point is this is tragic five people on board uh, we'll actually go uh, read through this a little bit um, this is from ABC Australia all five victims of helicopter crash over Mount uh, D- Mount Disappointment identified. What a terrible place for a crash. Mount Disappointment. That's really unfortunate. The generous and fiercely intelligent co-founder and managing director of a financial solutions company has been identified as the fifth victim of a helicopter crash north of Melbourne. First ag... First, yeah, it's first AG, first AG. I'm going to say that capital capital said in a statement that Nicholas Vesteva was on his way to conduct a routine property inspection with colleagues when the helicopter crashed. Nicholas was an inspiring individual with a storied career in both Australia and the United Kingdom at a number of law firms and financial institutions, the statement read. He was a true gentleman with a great sense of humor who was uh, who was well-loved by all his colleagues, associates, and family and will be missed dearly. The company expressed condolences to Mr. Uh, Vesueda's wife and three children. Two helicopters that were part of the same private charter were... F- Two helicopters that were part of the same private charter were flying north from Melbourne Sea. BD over Mount Disappointment on Thursday when one disappeared just after 9 a.m. Those who died included one female and three male passengers aged between 50 and 73 and the 32-year-old male pilot. This is really interesting. Now, this is this is going to be good because there was, and from, from that report that we listened to, there's two helicopters, I think there was two or three, that were all flying together over the same area and one crashed. So if it was weather related, why did this one crash and how far apart were they? And were they like really close side by side or were they like a couple of miles apart and something could happen in that time period? And if they were really close together, how did the other helicopter make it out or why did this helicopter go down? So really, uh, this is like another one that's like, we're going to get some interesting information from it. Um, uh, okay, I'm going to skip a little bit here. The Australian Transportation Safety Bureau, ATSB, is investigating the crash with assistance of police. It could take as long as eight weeks for investigators to deliver a preliminary report about the accident. Gary Dorbar, unit controller of uh, mm, Wittacellas, 
V-I-C-S-E-S, said operations at the site were expected to take another few days due to poor weather. Every day has been different. It's been raining. It's been foggy. It's been warm, he said. Uh, Mr. Dorbar said the rugged terrain of the mountain meant it took a day and a bit to get to the crash site. The track that took us to the aircraft hadn't been looked after since 2009 when the fires came through. He said it took two bulldozers and an excavator to clear the track. Um... Yeah, so uh, aviation industry hurting after the fatal crash. We'll read a little bit about this. The helicopter that crashed was one of two in a charter convoy being run by microflight. Paul Tarot from Australian Helicopter Industry Association said it was too early to say if the industry would need to make any changes in the wake of the crash. He said the sector would wait for the outcome of the investigation from the ATSB before responding. It's a tragedy, and the whole industry is feeling for the people involved in this incident, Mr. Terrell said. It's a tight-knit community. Uh, it's a tight-knit community, the aviation community. It's a family, if you like, and people are hurting everybody involved. Mr. Terrell said that it was not clear what may have caused the crash, but pilots in the industry are trained to deal with all conditions. Generally, it's a very safe industry. The training is very high quality. It's international standard training. Um... I guess in life there's risk in every profession and we mitigate the risks in helicopters and aviation in general through our training and our preparation for the flight. So interesting. I mean, terrible, terrible um, that anything, uh, man, and I'm, I'm just looking at the picture of the pilot. Uh, it's tragic. Um, moving on. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, getting some information about what happened there. Um, MD Helicopters files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Uh, MD Helicopters, very popular along, um, amongst tons of helicopter pods. Um, a lot of helicopter pods, this is their favorite helicopter. So uh, we'll read this article, but what you need to know is MD Helicopters is not going anywhere. We're, we're still going to get those helicopters. But we will uh, we'll read this, and I'll kind of explain a little bit about Chapter 11 bankruptcy what that means it's different than a chapter seven chapter seven bankruptcy is where pretty much all your debt gets uh, wiped away uh kind of ruins your credit but you get that debt eliminated chapter 11 is kind of like just a reorganization restructuring and uh figuring out a way to pay off debt but this is coming from ain online md helicopters files for chapter 11 bankruptcy MD Helicopters voluntarily filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy earlier today as part of a strategy to infuse the company with $60 million of fresh debtor-in-possession capital, discharge potentially crippling debt, and expedite the sales of its assets. In a prepared statement, MD said it will continue operations as normal during the reorganization. MD fully expects operations to continue as normal during the sales process. During the sale process, we have ample liquidity to meet our business obligations, including a commitment for additional new financing in connection with this process. And we remain focused on serving civil and military customers and working with suppliers as normal, the company said. The company had been actively trying to find a buyer since the departure of former CEO Lynn Tilton in March of 2020. MD was one of dozens of companies controlled by Tilton's Patriarch Partners and financed by the now bankrupt Zohar Funds. Patriarch bought distressed companies, bought distressed companies via funding from a series of collateralized 
uh, collaterals, collateralized loan obligations or CLOs marketed through Patriarch via its 2.5 billion Zohar funds. Okay, whatever. Uh, whoever owned MD uh, helicopters, um, th- this guy, uh, it looks like that kind of went bust and MD was in with that. So they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, but they're not going anywhere. Uh, MD helicopters will live to uh, buzz some power lines in the future. Um, kind of wrapping up here. Uh, this one is uh, from Defense News. There is a new military turbine engine helicopter, uh, a new um, military turbine engine uh, that's entering production. So from, from defensenews.com, next-gen engine for current and future helicopter fleets begins testing. Washington. The engine for the U.S. Army's improved turbine engine program has begun initial testing. The service and the engineers and the engines developer announced on March 23rd. The GE T901 first engine test underwent a light off, marking the first fuel what marking the first time fuel was ignited in the engine, according to the Army. The Army selected the ITEP engine built by General Electric in February of 2019, with the company receiving a $517 million award to build it. GB out the Advanced Turbine Engine Company, a Honeywell and Pratt & Whitney team, after a decade of competitive technology development. That's, I mean, that's, 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 that's a pretty long time to try to develop an engine. Um the engine will not only replace those currently in the Army UH-60 Blackhawk utility in the AH-64 Apache attack helicopters, it will also serve as the engine in the service's future attack reconnaissance aircraft, or FARA. The Army selected the the Army selected Bell and Lockheed Martin to competitively build prototypes with the ITEP engines. Um, I have a YouTube video about that. Uh, Let's make sure. Let's see if I'm talking about the same helicopters. Yeah, uh, we've got the uh, the the Defiant and um, the Raider X. I'll uh, I'll make sure of those, but I'm pretty sure I've got a YouTube video about uh, the the those new helicopters, those new prototypes. But the program experienced some delays in delivering the first engine to the Army due to the coronavirus pandemic. But the services program executive officer for aviation. Uh, Brigadier General Robert Barry told Defense News in a recent interview that despite delays, he believes it is possible for the FAR prototypes will fly in fiscal 2023. On the original timeline, GE was expected to provide the first engine to test in the last quarter of fiscal year 2021, and the flight test airworthiness release was expected in the first quarter of uh, fiscal year 2023. Uh, fiscal year 2023. Low uh, low rate initial production was planned to begin in the fourth quarter of 2024 and wrap up in the fourth quarter of 2026 with a full rate production discussion following. Um, so we're getting new engines. We're getting new engines for the Blackhawk, the Apache, and all of the new fun helicopters that are coming about. Um, so to wrap up what we talked about here, uh, some, some pretty brutal crashes recently. Um, Laura's crash in Texas, that video, uh, honestly, honestly, kind of, uh, kind of traumatizing, you know, over the last, the, the, the day or two after that, you know, I just felt uneasy being in the 44. Um, not that my flying style changed, but it just, it just, 
rough to fly and feel normal and happy-go-lucky uh, when you see that happen in such such a brutal way. Um, but I mean, we're, we're back in it. I feel, feel good. Um, it's just, it's just sad and it just feels weird to fly after you see that. But, you know, we keep moving on. It's, it's like a car accident, you know, you just feel a little bit uneasy. You're just a little bit more aware when you fly. Um, and, uh, you're just more aware of what your students are doing and the positions you're putting yourself in. Um, also that army crash in, uh, in Georgia at 2 a.m., with two uh, Blackhawks, what happened there? Why, uh, why do we not have more information? I mean, it, it's a military thing, so I, I guess they're just not going to share anything. But what, what about anyone else on board? Uh, I, I'd like to know that. And then the Australian crash, really interesting. Really looking forward to see, seeing what happened there. Because if there was two helicopters involved, why did one go down? And what can that other helicopter tell us about? what happened um we you know the one thing the one of the many things i love about the aviation industry is we are ruthless in finding the cause of accidents and incidents um in preventing them you know to every single small detail you know like every bolt on a helicopter has a serial number and it can be tracked um every incident runway incursion there's a write-up uh, and then we develop airport taxi diagrams with hotspot information. Um, every little thing that happens, we ruthlessly investigate and we figure out why it happened and how to prevent it in the future. And I love that. And I'm really interested in figuring out what happened in all these accidents. You know, um, all, all accidents are, are bad, but for some reason, these three are really, I, maybe it's just because I've spent a lot of time reading them, but... These three are really interesting. Um, so, like I said, uh, and I'll spend a little bit of time talking about me. I, Like I said, I am uh, moving. Um, I, I'm going to continue piloting, flying. I'm going to continue instructing. However, currently I instruct on the Robinson uh, R-22 and the Robinson R-44. I will be switching to a different model of helicopter. I'll be talking about that on my YouTube channel. Um, so I'm excited to fly a different platform. And... Honestly, um, part of one of the reasons that excites me about this new job and this new helicopter that I'm going to be flying is um, it's not a Robinson and it's not a semi-rigid underslung rotor system. One one thing that I hate is uh, all of the pilots that like talk shit about Robinson helicopters because Robinson helicopters are great. I'm I'm literally wearing a Robinson helicopter shirt because I, I support them. They got me to where I am and they're, there's nothing, they're good helicopters, but every helicopter has its flaw, um, you know, and there is this big sacrifice because we all want to be pilots and the only way to do that is, and to make it semi-affordable is to have a simpler design and with that simpler design, that two-bladed rotor system, it can be flown safely, however, when things go wrong, they go really wrong. And some people are like, oh, I'll never get into Robinson. I'll only fly turbines. I'll only fly a three, four, five-bladed helicopter. Yeah, that, that's great. Like, I, I think we all would. If we all had the option to fly the safest helicopter, like, I don't know, a Bell 407 or something, whatever, a really safe helicopter, we would. Um, no one, no one, uh, th- there's not too many people that would voluntarily choose a Robinson as 
their primary helicopter. It's just what's there. So because it can be flown safely and a lot of people do their training in it, all of their ratings without problems, it's a, it's a fine helicopter. It's It's a good helicopter. But things can go wrong, and I'm excited for this new job to be flying something else. Um, I feel it's going to feel good to have a little bit more metal above my head um, and and just have a little bit more protection there and uh, no longer risk uh, mass bumping. But things can go wrong with every helicopter. So we're going to continue chopper talk going. I always take a request. If you guys know someone in the helicopter aviation world that you'd like to uh, see interviewed or you think they've got a really cool story, um, let me know. Reach out to my Instagram, uh, the Chopper Talk Instagram. I, I check that as well. Um, but let me know. I, I The reason I started this is because I love talking helicopters. And the actual formation of how this podcast came about um, and one of the, the things that triggered it is I was just seeing some, with someone just shooting the shit like this, just talking about helicopters. Like, it's so fun. This is our passion. Um, so if you've got someone that you think would be fun just to hear shoot the shit, uh, let them know about my podcast and uh, reach out to me and I'll try to bring them on. Um, this is episode number 10 today. So we've done 10. I feel like it's been more, um, but I'm constantly trying to improve this. Um, and, and get better at this. You know, we're all busy, but I, I really enjoyed this. So thank you guys for uh, listening to Chopper Talk. It, it's it's really fun. And the more interaction that you guys uh, give me, um, I, I just appreciate knowing that people out there enjoy it and get benefit from it. Um, and that just someone, it's fun to listen to someone else talk about helicopters. And I'm happy to do that for all of you. So without further ado, um, We will wrap it up there. I will see you guys next Monday. um, And uh, I'll have a guest on next Monday. So take care. Happy Monday.